There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Jacob was a very important man in the Bible. He was the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham, and the father of Joseph. He inherited Abraham's blessing and became the father of the twelve tribes of Israel. He was God's representative. God made a promise to Abraham that he would be the father of a nation, repeated it to Isaac, and confirmed it with Jacob, the chosen line that would lead directly to Christ. However, Jacob did things his way. And now when we come to our main text, Jacob is surrounded by trouble. He's left a broken home, there's heartache, there's deception, there's fit fear, and now he is facing revenge. He is a very troubled man. He comes to a place in his life where it's going to be forever changed. Genesis chapter 32 verse 24 through 30, And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince has power with God and with men, and has prevailed. And Jacob asked him, and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. You're listening to Preach the Word with Dean Carmichael Jr. Welcome to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael of Greensboro. And now let's welcome our dear friend, Brother Dean. All right, friends, so we pick back up here and we are continuing the story of Jacob and we're in Genesis chapter number 32. And in these passages, Jacob is wrestling with none other than the pre-incarnate Christ. Hosea chapter number 12, verse three through five. The Bible says he took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us, even the Lord God of hosts. The Lord is his memorial. The Lord is his memorial. What that means is the Lord is his name. In this story, Jacob is given not only a new name, but he's also given a new walk. This is a pivotal point in the life of Jacob, and honestly, one of my favorite stories 
in all the Bible and a real blessing in my own personal testimony. Jacob's given a new name. His name has changed from Jacob, heel catcher, crooked, deceitful, clever, to Israel, one who has power with God. He's given a new walk. His thigh is out of joint from the result of this wrestling match that he has. That's what God can do for us. He can give us a new name. He can give us a new walk. He can take someone that is crooked and deceitful and turn them in to one who has power with God. He can take a life full of heartache and defeat and turn it into triumph. In fact, that is the only way our lives can amount to anything. If we do things our way, like Jacob did, our previous podcast, when we found out Jacob, his entire family, they all did things their way, and things turned out like a disaster. We'll make a mess of things. Or we can yield to the Lord, and he will make our lives truly count. The title of the sermon for this this uh, this podcast is Make It Count. Make it count. Living for the Lord and letting him use you. How can you truly make your life count for God? By way of introduction, here are some things we need to consider when regarding this topic of making our life count for God. Number one, we need to consider the shortness of days. That word brevity means brief. Billy Graham once said, and I quote, the greatest surprise of life to me is the brevity of life. When you look in the Bible in James chapter number four, verse 14, whereas ye know what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. A couple more passages of scripture we can reference. Job 14, verse one, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Jacob was 2006 to 1859 BC. So this man roughly had 147 years for God. He had a purpose for being on this earth, and then it was over. Can we relate to that? Absolutely. We need to realize that we only have a short time to give our hearts to God and fully live out our lives for his glory. When you thinking about making your life count for God, number one, you need to consider the shortness of days. Number two, you need to, to, to look at the significance of decisions. Not only the shortness of days, don't only consider how short of a time you actually have and how important it is that we get things right. Like Solomon said, uh, to remember now your creator in the days of your, uh, in the days of our youth. Not only do we have a short amount of time, but also we need to understand the importance of the significance of our decisions. Not only are our days short, but we should realize the importance in the decisions that we make and how precious time is. The decisions you make are critical regarding if your days are going to count or not. There's an old saying, don't count the days, make the days count. I remember when I used to work for second shift, it was kind of a different schedule when I worked this schedule, but it was, 
I guess it was around one or two o'clock. And then I would work kind of a little later into the afternoon. It was a high school job. But I just remember being on that shift and waking up and counting down the hours to when I had to go into work. I was more worried about how much time was left instead of what I was actually doing with the time. I was wasting time worried about how much time I had left. You ever been on vacation? Maybe you save your vacation up for a holiday, whatever it may be, and you have eight or nine days off. You Maybe you, you've saved up to the end of the year, whatever it is, and you find yourself miserably counting down the days at all. Oh, man, I only have... I only have seven more days off of work. What am I? Oh no, I'm just dreading going back to work. I only got five more days off of work. We're more worried about time itself than what we actually do with it. You know that just because someone has done something for 25 years, it doesn't mean that they're actually good at it. It doesn't mean you ever heard somebody just pridefully say, I've been doing this for 44 years. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean that they're actually good at what they do. There's another saying, make today count, you'll never get it back. The illustrations that I'm, I'm giving you here and the point I'm trying to make is there's a significance in our decisions. There is a, a, a very, uh, a, a very scary thing when we just, we, we just waste our days worrying. And waste our days, um, counting down the time and, and not being productive. You can, you can be in the right place. You can have the right job title. You can follow all the directions and still waste all of your time worrying. You can waste all your time fulfilling your own fleshly lust. You can waste your own time envying whatever it may be. We need to understand something. We will never get today back. Did you spend time with the Lord? Did you truly worship the Lord? Did the last time you were at church, did you actually worship God when you got up to sing a congregational song or your worship song or whatever it was? Or were you just reading the words that you're supposed to sing out loud? When you sat there in the service, did you actually hang on to the words your pastor said? and truly seek God, and truly apply it to your life? Or did you just go through the motions? If you actually did your devotions today, and I pray you did, when you had your alone time with God, did you actually worship God? Did you actually take the time and read and seek the face of God and, and look to hear the voice of God? And and I know we can't see God's face physically. I, I think you know what I'm trying to say here. What I'm trying to say here is, did we truly have that communion time and fellowship with our Lord and Jesus Christ, or do we just check a box? There is a significance of decisions, meaning the decisions we make in day-to-day life, just because we are um, where we're supposed to be going through the motions does not mean that we're actually making these things count. There's a difference between being active and being productive. You may be busy for God. You may be involved in the ministry. You may be performing all sorts of church-related activity. But just because you're busy doesn't mean that you're productive. Please understand that. 
there are people who have wasted 25 years sitting on a church pew, and that is all they have done. They have gone through the motions. They know when to say amen. They even know when to raise their hand out in a church service when things get real and there's a, a, a worship service breaks out. They know when to do all of these things, but they actually haven't had sincere, mature growth in the word of God. I want to give you a contrast real quick between Mary and Martha. I don't want to dig this point too far into the ground, but I think this will really drive it home. Jesus enters into the house of Mary and Martha. Martha, as the Bible said, was cumbered about much serving. That word cumbered means distressed, distracted, burdened, troubled. While Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. Martha asked Jesus, if he cared that Mary left her alone to serve all by herself and said, bid her therefore that she help me. That means bid to speak, call to her, invite her. Luke chapter number 10, verse 41 through 42. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. There are a lot of Marthas in the churches today, uh, in our church. If we get so caught up in the work we have to do as Christians, we forget to actually spend time with Jesus and focus on our personal relationship with him. We are not making our days count. Mary chose the good part, to sit at the place of humility and listen to the word of God. Are you making your days count? There is a significant in decisions. Last of all, by way of introduction, when we consider making our days count for the Lord, we have got to look at the symbols of devotion. Who are people in the Bible who made their lives count for God? Not men that we glorify, but men who glorified Christ. Let's just throw out a few examples here. For one, you have the Apostle Paul. Saul of Tarsus. His name was changed to Paul at his conversion. He was a chosen apostle of Jesus Christ. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. He was a missionary, a church builder. He wrote 14 of the 27 books of the New Testament. He had three major missionary journeys. And in 2 Timothy 4, verse 6-7, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. This is a man who made his life count. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. That word forerunner is one who precedes a messenger, sent in advance. He was obedient and submissive to the Lord and his will. He was an Old Testament prophet, literally living on the pages of the New Testament. He was a friend of the bridegroom. Bible says he rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore is fulfilled. John the Baptist is literally the best man at the, the the marriage supper of the Lamb, when the church, the bride comes to our bridegroom, it, John the Baptist is the best man there. He was obedient. He was submissive to the Lord and his will. It wasn't about John, John's life. It was about Christ. John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. The very man people confuse with Christ because of his testimony. He made it count. What about the Apostle John, the disciple whom Jesus loved? This is someone that, that I, one of my favorites, because 
I can really identify with John. I'm not comparing myself with John by no means, but identifying with him in the sense there are Bible characters that you read about that have a lot that you have a lot in common with. And the Apostle John only had about a 600 word vocabulary, yet God uses him in the Bible to write five books. The Apostle John literally reaches back into eternity, farther back into eternity than any other book in his gospel. And in the book of Revelation, he reaches further into eternity more than any other book. There are so many other different uh, illustrations we could use. King David, a man after God's own heart. Samuel, the circuit-riding preacher. Peter at Pentecost. Job in his integrity. Abraham in his faith. Joseph in his purity. Ruth, her lineage. Caleb, Joshua, their courage. These are men and women who made their lives really count for God. Now, the million-dollar question. Why on earth are we talking about Jacob? Of all these great examples, could I have not just stopped, or rather started and then stopped with the Apostle Paul about making your life count? Just those examples that I used just preached this entire message about the Apostle Paul. Could I have not just preached this entire message about Mary and Martha and used that as an example? Same way with John the Baptist or the Apostle John, King David. Talking about making your life count. Why on earth, of all these great examples of men and women who made their lives really count for God, why is our main text dealing with Jacob? Well, not only is Jacob right up there with the people whose lives counted for God, Jacob is a type of the believer's two natures. He's literally the man of two natures. In the Bible, especially in Genesis, you have different types. A type is a divinely appointed illustration of some scriptural truth. And J. Edwin Hartle, Dr. J. Edwin Hartle said, A type must never be used to teach a doctrine, but only to illustrate a doctrine elsewhere explicitly taught. For example, in John 3, verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The serpent represents the sin of the people, and they needed to look look to it for healing. Christ was made sin for us on the cross of Calvary. He bore our sins. So as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That is a divinely appointed illustration. Jacob is a type of the believer in our two natures. I want to quote Dr. Herbert Lockyer. Jacob is an outstanding illustration of the presence and conflict of the natures within a believer. Similar to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde of Robert Louis Stevenson's story, Jacob is good and bad. He rises and falls, yet in spite of his failures was a chosen instrument. That's Dr. Herbert Lockyer. In order for Jacob to make his life count, he had to totally yield to God. Solomon, as I mentioned earlier, was away from God in Ecclesiastes, and he tried just about everything under the sun to satisfy him. And he came to the conclusion, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. What about you? Are you making your life count for Jesus Christ? 
make it count. Genesis chapter 32 here. There are three things we will need if we want to make our life count for Christ. And of course, this message is geared towards Christians. Number one, if we are going to make our life count for Christ, there has got to be a place of salvation. Genesis 28, 10, verse 22. We won't read all those verses, but that is the, the text here for this point. Bethel is known as the house of God. And in this story, in Genesis 28, Jacob flees his home. He's in fear of his life because of his brother Esau. He leaves Beersheba to go to Haran. And on the way, he stops for some rest. Roughly traveled about 40 miles in one day. Now, that's a trek. I've I've climbed up Mount Mitchell before. I think that was roughly 12 miles in a day, I think, going up and, and down the trail that we took. I've done Grandfather Mountain, and both of those were with day packs. We had our full packs on. I like to hike, and I uh, knew I wasn't going to get far with my full pack. We made camp about a mile in on each of those, I believe. But then we took our day packs, and we would climb up that mountain and I've also been on on hikes with Flatland, and we we went to um, me and a, a church group and some good brothers in Christ. We go on different hikes together, and we went to the Croatan National Forest, and we went down to the the Nusik Trail, and we we hiked, I believe, about roughly nine miles in Flatland on one day. And let me tell you, that is a lot of walking. That's a, that's a, a journey. And Jacob literally did about 40 miles in one day. He was in fear of his life and he lays down to go to sleep. He uses a stone for a pillow. He dreams a dream. And in Genesis chapter 28, verse 12 through 15, listen to this carefully now. This is important in the life of Jacob. It's very important. And he, meaning Jacob, dreamed a dream. Excuse me. And he dreamed and behold, a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it into thy seed and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Now, it's very important when you read those verses that we understand the Lord Jesus is the latter. The angels are ascending and descending upon him. They were ministers to him who are subject to his command. He confirms the Abrahamic covenant to Jacob and tells him, I will not leave thee. Genesis 28, 18 and 19, the Bible says, And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was called Luz at the first. This is the place of Jacob's salvation. Here we have an Old Testament prophet looking to the cross. Got to understand something. 
Before we can do anything to make our lives count, there has to be a place of salvation. We must come to God's terms of salvation. The sin problem must be taken care of. Adam's failure, mankind's total depravity. In the Old Testament, they had to look to Jesus Christ. They had to look to the Redeemer that God would send. Here we are now in the age of grace, the time of the New Testament church. We look back on what Jesus did for us. Either way, the only way to God, the only way to the Father, is through Jesus Christ. It is God's will that all come to salvation. If we're going to make our lives count, number one, there has got to be a place of salvation. Number two, there's got to be a period of seclusion. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now that word seclusion is the state of being private, away from other people. If we want our lives to count for God, there has to be a period of seclusion with him. It's very important. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, Through desire a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. C.H. Spurgeon once said, There are times when solitude is better than society, and silence is wiser than speech. We should be better Christians if we were more alone, waiting upon God. And then probably one of my all-time favorite quotes by Dr. J. Vernon McGee, Friend, have you ever tried being alone? That is where God will meet you. Take the word of God. Go off alone with him. It will do you a lot of good. Jacob had enemies and distractions all around him. There is enough going on to keep us distracted, keep us busy until the day we die. First Kings 19 verse 12 says, And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still, small voice. Jacob had already had that place of salvation way back at Bethel. But Jacob continues to try to use his old cunning ways, and he, he continues to try to be deceitful. And he's no match for Laban. When he meets Uncle Laban, he is no match. Laban is a type of the flesh. We've got to understand this. And when when he gets to this place of seclusion, again, Jacob is a type of the new natures. Jacob has got to yield to the Lord. If his life is going to live out to his fullest potential, if he's going to be the man that God has called him to be, he's got to A, get alone with God, and B, he's got to totally yield to him. And that leads to our last point. So if we're going to make our life count, number one, there's got to be a place of salvation. Number two, there's got to be a period of seclusion. And last of all, there's got to be a position of surrender. Genesis 32, verse 26, And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he, Jacob, said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. If we're going to live a life that counts for Jesus Christ, we have got to surrender to him. We need to surrender like Paul did. Paul said, I died daily. Jacob, as mentioned uh, earlier, just in the context of the story, he's got the world behind him. That's, that's Laban. He's got the flesh ahead of him. That's Esau. But then he's got God right in front of him. And he is telling God, I need you to give me. I need you to bless me. I need you to give me what I need. Jacob would not let go until God blessed him. 
We should hold on to God as tight as we can on a daily basis, surrender to him and say, Lord, I am not going to let you go until you give me what I need for the day. You know everything behind me. You know everything in front of me. You know everything around me. You know every enemy who's trying to destroy me. Lord, you know the secret things of my heart that I need to confess. You know every little thing about me. You know my heart. Lord, before we move on, I need you to search my heart. I need you to reveal to me what I need to do. I need you to bless me. Jacob took his brother's birthright. He took his brother's blessing. He fled to his uncle Laban's house. He was deceived into marrying Leah, worked seven years for Rachel, got Leah, then he had to work an additional seven for Rachel. His wages were changed ten times. He was increased his livestock, becomes wealthy. He sneaks off with his wives. He, He grabs his children, his livestock. His wife, Rachel, steals one of her father's false gods. He's fearing for his life because Esau is is going to be after him. In order for Jacob, who's now in an absolute mess, to make his life count, he needs to go ahead and just surrender to God. Whatever mess you're in, however bad you've made things, however long these things have been going on, and it is just a tidal wave, it is getting worse and worse and worse. Friend, surrender to God. Go ahead, get alone with him, give up, surrender your life to him. It's very, very important. It's the only way we can make our life count. In order for Jacob to make his life count, he needed to surrender to the Lord. Want to make your life count? There needs to be a place of salvation, a period of seclusion, and a position of surrender. Until next time, may the Lord bless you. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Thank you for listening to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael from Greensboro. You can email Brother Dean, preachtheword87 at outlook.com. Preach the word 87 at Outlook.com. You also can follow our dear friend, Brother Dean Carmichael, on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Dean Carmichael Jr.